We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's talk about part three. We discussed the expectations for this football team based on where they're coming from and where they need to get to. We talked about what they lost and what they have coming back. Part three is going to dive into what is arriving. And that's the final piece because I will say this. Notre Dame has the returning talent across the board, including quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, all of it, to be a really good football team in 2024. But there were a lot more questions about it. Yes, there's talent at quarterback. Is Steve Angeli going to be the guy? Is it going to be Kenny Minchie? Can CJ Carr come in and start as a freshman? The lack of experience that those players have going into the season would be a major question mark. Doesn't mean that they couldn't be successful. Doesn't mean they couldn't win. I think they could win at least nine, 10 games with any of those three guys, a quarterback. When you look at the schedule and what's coming back around them at running back and at receiver and tight end and offensive line. But then you start looking at receiver without any new additions. You look at that saying, boy, you've got a receiving core that has veterans like Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey, who are talented players. You've got Jaden Greathouse, KK Smith, Jordan Faison and the younger group. And then you're bringing in a freshman class that includes at least two guys, if not three, that can help out right away in Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert. And then, you know, we'll see kind of Logan Saldate's got to continue developing as a player and get stronger. You always get smaller guys always, you know, you, you wonder, okay, can they hold up? But athletically and skill-wise has all the ability. So you look at what? That's a really good group of eight guys. But But the concern would be, but now we're right back to where we were a year ago. It's about the numbers they had a year ago. A lot of young players, you know, can Tobias take that step up? Just like we're going to ask about Great House and Faison and K.K. Smith this year. You know, can the freshmen come in and help right away? And you also have the same issue you had last year, which is you've got talented veterans, but they're injury prone, right? Deion Colsey, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Jaden Thomas has not really been able to stay healthy in their careers. And so now you're an injury or two away from bringing right back to where you were this year, where 
you have a couple hamstrings or a knee or this or that, and all of a sudden you got a four or five man receiving core and you're young and you're playing young guys and you're, you're concerned about, okay, are they good enough to go win you games week after week after week? And the reality is this year they weren't there. And even with better coaching, you still run into that problem. So again, even with, without the transfers, there was a lot of talent coming back. What the transfers do, however, is they answer a lot of questions on top of adding even more talent to the roster. That includes transfers and that includes high school kids. But where I want to start with this part of the show is by first looking at the transfers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to begin at quarterback with with Riley Leonard. I mean, that's that's absolutely where we need to start. And and because at the end of the day, what Riley does this year is going to go a very long way towards determining how good of a football team Notre Dame can be in 2020 and 24. It it just is. If he is what what we hope he can be, then this team is going to be really really good really good. If he's not, or if he gets injured again, then I think it, it, it lowers the ceiling for this team. Can Notre Dame go out there and win nine, 10 games? If Riley Leonard is just an okay quarterback. Yeah. They got a lot of talent coming back. I expect the defense to be great again. The schedules, at least on paper, doesn't look to be as tough next year as it, as it is right now, but it's still going to be a battle. If Riley Leonard is healthy and he's the player that I think he can be, or even just close to the player I think he could be, then I think that this team has a chance to make a run. And and what I mean by make a run is not just get to the playoff. I mean get to the playoff and then stack up some W's once you get there. And that that's the that's the ceiling for this football team is to get into the playoff and say this team has a chance to make a run. Is it championship? Is it is it you know? Although we, we will find out. And and the interesting thing is there's questions about Riley Leonard just like there were questions about Sam Hartman and just like there were questions about Jack Cohn. But they're different kind of questions. Where Jack and Hartman came here and they were kind of already established guys and they'd already they'd put up, you know, they'd started for seasons and and done things, but it was how would they be able to transition to the Notre Dame offense? Neither of them were super talented kids. They were veterans. They were smart. They were leaders. But how would they transition into the Notre Dame offense? That's a fair question. 
with Riley Leonard, it's not so much a question about how he'll transition because of the three quarterbacks, if I had to rank who had the smoothest transition from what they were running and what their skill set is into what they will be running, it's Riley Leonard one, Jack Cohn two, and Sam Hartman three. And and my my initial concern about Sam Hartman when they when I first heard they were going after him was I think he's a system quarterback. And then I talked myself into here's why I think he can be successful at Notre Dame. And in a lot of ways, Sam did have a good season. There's this notion that Sam was bad. He was not bad. You do not have the highest quarterback rating at Notre Dame since Jimmy Clausen if you're bad. You do not have one of the, the highest yards per attempt averages in, in program history if you're bad. He just wasn't as good as we hoped he would be. And that was really what the issue was, or even close to being what we hoped he what he would be, or what they needed him to be, especially in some of the bigger games. And so to me, when I look at Riley Leonard and you look at what he was and you look at Jack Cohn and look at what he was and the, what the skill set is and how does that translate into what Notre Dame is going to ask him to do, it was a pretty seamless transition for Jack Cohn. And that's why it's kind of funny when everybody talks about, is Riley Leonard going to go be like another Sam Hartman? And you're like, well, number one, they're completely different types of players. And number two, are we just going to ignore the fact that Jack Cohn was a pretty good player at Notre Dame uh, when he had any kind of line play whatsoever? They went eleven and one with Jack Cohn at quarterback, and 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 the things that he did at quarterback, like he, they, this isn't the only transfer quarterback they ever had. Sam Harper's not the only transfer quarterback they ever had. But the other part is Riley Leonard's a very different player, and and with those guys, they were they were drop back quarterbacks, and so if if they were getting pressured by the offense because the offensive line wasn't playing well or the defense was really good, or if they were in a situation where, you know, the pass game just wasn't rolling, they couldn't do anything. Sam Hartman's not a guy that if the pass game wasn't working was going to lead you to a victory over a really good team. Jack Cohn was not a guy that if the if the run if the offensive line was struggling or the run game couldn't get going, you know, he in 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 receivers, he couldn't go out there and just put the team on his shoulders the way you need him to. What Riley Leonard showed at Duke over two years is if if the receivers are struggling, I can do things on my own. If the run game is struggling, I can run the football. If 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 we're just the system is just kind of breaking down and and schematically they're beating us, I can I can do things that can go make plays. I, I'm gonna I'm pu- I'm working on a film breakdown and and it's gonna take a little while to finish. But you know, I'm going through all of Riley Leonard's his whole career. The only games I'm not breaking down are like La- La- Lafayette this year, and I think they played an FCS team last year. But I'm breaking down every other regular season game, and and including the the ones where he didn't play well and. When you see it, there's just this every game, even games where he doesn't have great numbers, there's some play he makes or four or five plays he makes where you're just like, that's not coaching. There was a play, I think it was against Northwestern, where there's just two guys that just got a beat on him. He spins out, sprints out, makes it look like he's about to take off running, and he can run, and so they come up to to get him, and he just throws it over their head for like a 40-yard game. Like He does stuff like that pretty regularly the last two years. You look at the Clemson game. It's a, I think it was like a, I think it was seven to six. They might actually been losing at the time. It's the third quarter. It's third down. They're near midfield. He runs right. He gets hit by like two or three guys at once, bounces off of them, runs up the sideline for like a 40 yard gain, gets them in scoring range. And, and, and Duke, I believe Duke takes the lead at that point in time. Like, 
it's one of those things where you're just like, they can't, like, the offense is going to break down at times. It just is. And do you have a playmaker that can, can, can step up and make plays in those instances? And this is something that I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine about when he was like, well, I, I didn't like what Denbrock did at LSU. I'm like, why? He goes, a lot of stuff they did with street ball. And I was like, yeah, and what's your point? Like there was a structured offense at LSU. There very much was a structured offense. They didn't just say snap it to Jalen and just let him go do something. It was, we have a, we have a play call. We have this, we have that. But if it doesn't work, you got to go make a play. Yeah, that's going to happen. And when you get into when you get into the game, if things aren't working, like perfect example, take the national title game. Michael Penix to me, way better quarterback than JJ McCarthy. But one of the big differences in that game was JJ was missing some throws. He does that a lot. He's not a super accurate quarterback. I don't care what his completion percentage says. Michael Penix was missing some throws, but JJ could go make plays in other ways. Michael Penix couldn't in that game. You're going to have games where your quarterback is off throwing the football. Your receivers are not having a good day. They're just not as good as the corners they're going against. Your offensive line is struggling a little bit. You have to be able to put a team physically on your shoulders and say, I've got this. Notre Dame did not have that kind of quarterback in 2023. They didn't have that kind of quarterback for most of 2022. They did not have that kind of quarterback in 2021. They have not had that kind of quarterback in a while. And for all of you folks at Love Ian Book, to me, Riley Leonard is a taller, faster, maybe not faster, more athletic, uh, more dynamic, more gutsy quarterback that is a similar style to what Ian Book was. But I think has a, a more natural passing ability and more guts to attempt throws uh, that, that, that Ian didn't. And, and so to me, but what made Ian Book good is – and made him win, could help him win, was he could go make plays with his legs and arm combined in those clutch situations or in those tough situations. And that's, to me, what Riley Leonard brings to the table. Now, can he put it together and be effective at Notre Dame? Don't know. We, we don't know the answer to that because, guys, we, we, we watch college football and we see guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Caleb Williams transfer to places where they knew the offensive coordinator, they transfer and they make a smooth transition. We've seen other guys that have transferred schools and make really smooth transitions and things just kind of get rolling pretty quickly for those players. And then we've seen other quarterbacks that don't play so well in year one and they're not as effective in year one and they maybe they need more time to kind of get rolling. What will Riley Leonard be? I don't know the answer to that. But to me, when I look at Riley Leonard and I start kind of thinking about what this football team can be, I, I I always go back to one moment and how that one moment might have changed this entire season for Notre Dame. And 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 there's never like one play, but I do that that costs you or does this, but I do think there are there are there are times during a season when you have opportunities to say, I, I have an opportunity here to do something. And I'm I'm going to go do it, or I'm going to make this play here. And what it says about your football team. And I think about I go back to the Stanford game in 2012, and I think of the offense is struggling, and somebody needed to step up and make a play. And Everett Golson lets loose of a ball, and it's a it's a gritty throw, and Tyler Eifert goes up and makes a great play, and that kind of changed the course of that game a little bit. 
you go back to, to over the years and you think about Will Fuller in 2015 where, you know, USC had just dominated you the year before, embarrassed you the year before. You're, you, you want payback. They get the ball first. They go right down the field and score. It's like 2014 all over again. Somebody's got to step up and make a play. Will Fuller, Deshaun Kaiser did that first play the next series touchdown. And then that game kind of changed. And you always kind of go up to those things. But when you look at the offense, I think back to the first drive of the game. And I think back to that, that, that fourth and one opportunity. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to crush Sam Hartman or make it seem like he was this terrible player and, and do all sort of this, you know, he didn't live up to expectations. So he sucked kind of revisionist history that, that we, we have a problem that we do too many times, but I think back to that first drive of the game. And I think back how Notre Dame forces a punt of Ohio state. They get the ball at their own 11 yard line and they go down the field, 14 plays or 13 plays, 71 yards. They get to a fourth and one at the 18 yard line. And the quarterback gets out of the pocket play breaks down. The receivers aren't open and your quarterback's got to go make a play. And Sam Hartman did not hunt for the first down sticks. He did not do what was needed to make that play. And I say to myself, the one thing that I can say for sure, for sure, of all the uncertainty about the newcomers and Riley Mills or Riley Leonard, the one thing that I can confidently say is if Riley Mills gets into a situation like that against Ohio State, fourth and one, 18-yard line going in, if you can kick the game off, with a touchdown drive against the Buckeyes that takes almost over eight minutes off of the clock, boy, that's pretty huge. That's pretty huge. But you've got to have a quarterback to make that play. And I think Riley Leonard, I have no doubt that Riley Leonard makes that play. And and whether it's he's fast enough to just beat the guy to the spot or he puts his shoulder down and says, you're not stopping me from getting a first down. You're not. I Look, you can come meet me at the sticks, but we're going that way. We're not going this way. We're going that way. And and that to me, that's that's where you need to be. And that's part of that, you know, that's part of what makes a great offense. You have to have the ability to make plays when things don't go to plan. Sam Hartman very rarely had that ability. I mean, he could he could scramble outside and the sideline is there and he just runs untouched for the touchdown, right? I mean, he, he could do that. I'm not talking about that. Anybody can do that. I'm talking about where you've got to go make a play in several plays to say, hey, we got this. 2019, Ohio State, Clemson. Ohio State as a team was kicking Clemson's butt that night. And the receivers weren't getting off. I mean, just physically, the Ohio State receivers were beating up the Clemson corners. Now, you could argue, oh, maybe should have called more pass difference. Whatever. That's how the game was being called. I thought they played great. They were better than the Clemson receivers that day. And so Trevor Lawrence just said, I got this. And he went out and starts making plays with his arm, legs, moves the ball up and down the field, makes that I'm going to put this team on my shoulders and go. Can Riley Is Riley Leonard going to be that guy? I don't know. I have no idea. We'll have to see. Does Riley Leonard have the talent to become that guy? Yes. And that's what gets me fired up about this season is because he has the potential. He doesn't even have to play out of his mind. If he just repeats kind of close to what he did in 2022, where he threw for 2,900 yards at Duke and rushed for 699 yards at Duke and accounts for 33 touchdowns, if he just repeats that level of production at Notre Dame this year, they're going to be hard to beat. 
very hard to beat. I mean, that's what he did. He had 3,666 yards of offense that season at Duke. He had 33 touchdowns that season. That, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. If you look at Notre Dame this past season, their starting quarterback had 2,812 yards of offense this past season. The year before, their starting quarterback, their two starting quarterbacks combined for about 2,900 yards of total offense. 2021, 3,050. 2020, 3,300. 2019, 3,580. 2018, Brandon and 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 uh, that was you'd have to go back to to 2018 when Notre Dame went 12 and 0 went to the playoff to find a quarterback a quarterback tandem that year was a tandem it was Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush who both started games they had over 3800 yards passing or total offense that season that's the last time a team a Notre Dame quarterback has had more total offense than what Riley Leonard produced in 2022 at a Power Five school so we've seen him do it. Now you ask yourself, what can he do at Notre Dame or have better linemen, better running backs, better receivers, better tight ends, and a better defense? That's where you start getting excited about it. And here's the thing. The difference between Riley Leonard and Sam Hartman, forget the size and style of play and and all those type of things. Forget all that conversation because that's not the point of what I'm trying to say here. What I'm trying to say is this. It's do you have to do anything different at Notre Dame than you did at the place you came from? That's the difference. And and when you look at at Sam Hartman, he had to change what he was at Wake to fit into the Notre Dame offense. If you look at the way that Mike Denbrock ran his offense at, at LSU, and you look at the way he ran his offense at Cincinnati, and you look at the way he ran his offense in 2015 at Notre Dame, you look at it and say, that's exactly what Riley Leonard can do and does. That's the difference. That's why Jack Cohn was better than Sam Hartman, in my opinion, because Jack was able to transition into an offense that he already kind of fit. When you look at Riley, he's transitioning into an offense the way they're going to run this offense that fits who he is. So when you ask yourself, can Riley Leonard match the production he had at Duke? My answer is at the very minimum, I think he can do that. Well, Sam Hartman came from the ACC and he couldn't match his level of production at Notre Dame. And I say, very true. It's a good counter argument. The difference again is Riley Leonard is transitioning to an offense that doesn't require him to change his game. It all, all Riley Leonard needs to do is just continue improving his game. Be better with your footwork. Be a better decision maker, right? You know, do, do do these things that you would have had to continue to improve on even if you stayed at Duke and had the same staff at Duke. It doesn't require him to alter his game, alter his technique, change the way he plays at all. Be you and then trust these guys around you. To me, that's why I am fired up about Riley Leonard on top of the fact I think he's immensely talented as a quarterback. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm 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 kind of excited about where that addition what that addition can do for the Notre Dame offense. But here's the thing, he's not alone. Spent a lot of time talking about the quarterback, but he's not alone. He's not the only guy that Notre Dame added. Here's Notre Dame, here, here's the other two things. Notre Dame's adding three wide receivers on offense. 
you've got Chris Mitchell. I'm I'm just going to go in order of of when they committed. You've got Chris Mitchell, you've got Bo Collins, and you've got Jaden Harrison transferred in from Florida International, Clemson, and Marshall. So you talk about returning production for this past season, and I told you all what Notre Dame's what Notre Dame returns on offense uh, from last from last season. So let me let me find it here real quick. So last Notre Dame this past season returns. Let me find that number here real quick. So you have let's see thirty seven twenty four. So Notre Dame brings back seventeen about seventeen hundred yards in receiving. They bring back uh, one hundred twenty four catches, and they bring back uh, twenty touchdowns from this past season. They're adding. 130 catches, 2,038 for 2,038 yards and 10 touchdowns. They're adding to the offense this season. So when you look at what what was the 2023 production from the receivers that played at Notre Dame and the power and the the FBS receivers that are coming in, what's the level of production that they had just last season? Not career numbers. Just last season, Notre Dame is bringing back at, at tight end, running back, and receiver a, a group of players that caught 254 passes for 3,724 yards and 30 touchdowns. That's what Notre Dame is going to have on their football team next year. Now, to, for proper context, you have to be willing to admit that not all those guys did it at Notre Dame. How are they going to play together? Can you spread the ball around? Keep All those things are very fair questions. But when you talk about experience and proven production, you are going to have a receiving core and tight end room and running back room that in 2023 at the FBS level combined for 254 catches, 3,724 yards, and 30 touchdowns. That's what Notre Dame is bringing is going to have next year because of the arrival of Chris Mitchell, Bo Collins, and Jaden Harrison. And the funny thing is, Jaden Harrison was was the least productive guy last year uh, at, at Marshall. He had well, I think twenty eight catches for let me find it twenty eight catches for four hundred ten yards last season. The funny thing is, even with that light of production, he'd have been number two on the Notre Dame offense among, or uh, at the Notre Dame receiver room in in receiving yards last year and number one in catches for Notre Dame last year. And he is by far the least productive guy of the other two. Uh, I think by far, well, not by far. I mean, Bo Collins was, was somewhat close to what he did last season. Bo caught, uh, let me, let me find Bo's production from last season. Give me one second because I don't have that number here. All right. So Bo Collins, at Clemson had 38 catches for 510 yards, so hundred yards more, 10 more catches and three touchdowns last season. And then Chris Mitchell last year for Florida international had 64 catches for 1118 yards and six touchdowns. And his six touchdowns were half of that team's receiving yards. And like that, that to me was something that really stood out to me is when you look at his numbers, you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, you know, he's playing at the, the group of five level, but when you look at the team's total production in the past game, I'm going to remind you again, he had 64 catches for 1118 yards and six touchdowns as an, as an offense last year, they only passed for 2,700 yards and 12 touchdowns. 
So he did that in an offense that didn't throw much, and he was the primary weapon. And so, so when I when I look at it, you said, "Boy, that's that's um that's a lot of production." Can he do that at the Power Five level? We'll find out. But we do know that last year he played one game against a Power Five team. He played against Arkansas. They went to Arkansas and lost. He had six catches for 157 yards against an SEC team. But they 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 went. He went on the road against an SEC team and had six catches for 157 yards. So he's done it at that level. And and that to me is is you're getting excited about it. And you start thinking about like, well, okay, well, how do, how do they fit together? How do these newcomers fit together? And to me, I, I think they fit fine. I mean, when you when you look at the receiving the depth chart next year at running back, I'm actually going to pull this up so we can take a peek at it. What I what I would argue is because of the newcomers that Notre Dame has, I would argue that Notre Dame this season. So I'm going to pull up our the the depth chart that I that I started working on uh, or that I have at Irish Breakdown that I did last week. When you start looking at the depth chart, to me, this team has a lot more, in my view, out guys that can thrive outside than they had last year. So you, you, you talk about newcomers, look, look at the Z and X receivers, which are the two outside positions. Z is the field outside receiver. X is the boundary receiver. You have a lot more size in the boundary now than you did most of last season because of the injury. So you didn't have Deion Colsey, but for three games, you add six foot three, 210 pound Bo Collins. You had 6'2", 205, Micah Gilbert. You had 6'2", 195, Cam Williams. You had 6'1", 175, Chris Mitchell, all to the outside. That, number one, allows Jaden Greathouse to be a bit of a swing guy. He can play outside and inside. It allows Jaden Greathouse or Jaden Thomas, hopefully, to move around because you've added a lot of size. I actually think this receiving core fits together better now than it did last year because of of what you have. Now, I don't have Jaden Harrison on here because he committed after that. But to me, he's a slot guy, so you put him at the at that F position with Jordan Faison and KK Smith and Logan Saldate. And so, when you when you talk about when, when you talk about what this receiving core can be, part of it is, guys, it's just not about bodies. You got this guy and this guy, and this guy. You can they play together? Can they fit together? That's a que- that's that's a big question. And last year, they had a lot of guys with very similar skill sets. You know, outside at Tobias Merriweather who was a, a pure outside guy, a lot of the other receivers, Rico Flores, Chris Tyree, Jordan Faison, Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse, you looked at all of them and you're kind of like, their best position is all at slot. Whereas this year, you know, Greathouse will be better prepared to play outside, but you have Jaden Thomas can, but you got Colsey as an outside guy, Chris Mitchell's an outside guy, Bo Collins is an outside guy, and Cam Williams is an outside guy. So you lost your only outside guy from last year in, in, in Tobias Merriweather, but you've now added four new players to the roster that are outside, like that fit outside at receiver. And you kind of look at Deion Colsey that way as well, because even though he's not a new guy, you didn't have him for the last 10 games of the season. And, and so those are things that I look at and I say, just the makeup of the receiving core this year is a lot better than it was last year uh, because of the newcomers. You know, we talked a lot about the about the the transfers, but you're also adding Cam Williams. To me, as long as he's healthy, Cam Williams can help you right now. Micah Gilbert can help you right now. And we also can't ignore that K.K. Smith is like landing a newcomer. I mean, he didn't really start practicing until like way late in the year and in the bowl prep. He wasn't available for the first 12 games of the year. So that's kind it's almost like with K.K. Smith, it's almost like he was a mid-year transfer 
that Notre Dame was able to get available for the bowl game. That's kind of how you have to look at it when you compare this year's receiving core to last year's receiving core. And, and so to me, there's a lot of new bodies, a lot of talent at that position. You also talk about newcomers for this year. You look at the running back position, and, and Aeneas Williams and Kedron Young are outstanding players. They're also additions to this offense. And so to me, when you look at what Notre Dame is adding talent-wise, I'm excited enough about what's already coming back. When you add a Riley Leonard, a quarterback, when you add Chris Mitchell, who can be that a vertical player, but but where he's different than Tobias Merriweather is Tobias was just kind of a pure vertical guy. I mean, a lot of his production was like, you know, go routes. He caught a 70-something yard touchdown on a go route against Central Michigan. He he caught stuff on like post routes. He had an inside post against NC State that went for like 40-something. He had an inside post against uh, his first touchdown pass against Stanford last year was on a post route. He caught a post route against Pitt for a big play. He caught a post route against Wake Forest for a touchdown. He should have caught two post routes for touchdowns against Stanford if he'd have got the ball. Like it was kind of like he had like two routes that they would throw him the ball on. Chris, I'm not saying it's his fault. It's just that's just the reality of it. With Chris Mitchell, he does screen game, he does quick game, he does crossers, he does overs. And one of his most impressive catches was running a seam route where he kind of catches the ball between three guys, bounces off somebody, and takes off running. So he brings a very different skill set to the table as a route runner, not not from what maybe Tobias could have been, but what he was. We can only go off of what a guy was when you when you look at what he adds. When you look at what Bo Collins adds, again, an improved route runner over what you had. He gives you more size than what you had in the boundary for most of last season once Dion got hurt. And I re- so I and, and then of course Jaden Harrison adds a, a shorter dynamic speed guy, and and when I look at Jaden Harrison, to me it's like if he brings anything at receiver, that's great. The benefit to getting Jaden Harrison right now is he can be a kick returner, and if he can if he can show himself to be a big time kick returner, which he was at, at Marshall, was the first team All American. Does that translate to Notre Dame? Well, depends on how good the blocking is, right? But he's got the ability to do that. To me, what it comes down to is. Can he take that job and then take some of the burden off of Jadarian Price to allow Jadarian to be more focused on just running back, which would be huge. Because if if Jadarian can take the kick return off of his plate, he's going to get a lot more touches. Now, he only kept return the ball 10 times last year. But if you can take the practice reps and all that focus off Jadarian and allow Jaden to handle that, now you've helped the running back room get better. Then any value he brings a receiver to me is an added bonus. That's kind of how I look at Jaden Harrison. And if he can just, and if he does, that's great. But it's it's a potentially impactful transfer class of receiver. Now we have to see how. Now they're the ones that have to make a transition. They are transitioning into an offense that is going to be a little different than what they did. I think Bo Collins fits the Notre Dame offense better than he fit the Clemson offense. I've said this. For years. I, I've said this since his freshman year before he even signed or I mean, before he even played a snap for Clemson. I always said, I don't know why he made that move. He does not fit that offense. I think Bo fits what Notre, especially now. Here's the thing, too, that's interesting. Chris Mitchell and, and Bo Collins were needed pickups when Jared Parker was going to be the OC. The thing, however, is when you look at Jared Parker's offense of what it was last year. Now, this may have changed in 2024. I don't know. We only saw what it was this year. It was a very slot-driven offense, and that means tight ends and slot receivers. A lot of the production that they had last year came from inside. 
the outside guys were just complimentary pieces. They were rarely features of the offense. Mike Denbrock's offense is the exact opposite. It is an outside-driven offense where the inside guys are more complimentary, but he'll use the inside a lot more than what we saw the outside get used last year. Now, again, that may have just been because of the the you know the, the nature of the offense, guys you had missing, all those kind of things that could all factor into why the offense was that way. It's really irrelevant as to why. I can only go off of what we saw and what it was and how it improves. And so when Mike Dembrock was hired, immediately it made the picks up pickups of Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins even more important. And for those players, it made Notre Dame an even better fit for them than even before. Because before with Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins, it was, well, here's what they add that you didn't have. Hopefully they'll use it. Now it's like, well, look, look what Mike Denbrock did at LSU. Look what he did at Cincinnati and look what he did at Notre Dame. Those two outside positions are very, very important. They now fit into where they were complementary players to where you got to be a guy outside. And so I think that adds a lot of value to their pickups and makes Notre Dame an even better fit for them than they were before. But they also both have transitions to make in regard to the scheme and the emphasis. You know, Garrett Riley's an air raid guy. Mike Denbrock's more of a pro style guy in his in his route game. Chris Mitchell, I couldn't even describe to you what Florida Natural's offense was. It was an odd offense, but it was it was kind of spreadish in ha- in the routes that they would use. But there were some pro style concepts that that he would do, but they're both going to have transitions to make uh, scheme-wise and technical-wise, but I think they'll make them fine. I mean, that's a position – receiver's a little bit easier to transition than quarterback, in my opinion, because there is some carryover if you have a big change to make a quarterback because I do think there's some carryover for for what they do. And, uh, and you know, I think the the final piece is like, is, that, I, that I ask is, do they have guys – here's my one question mark a receiver – and I don't know that the new – I think the newcomers can help with this, but we need to see it, is Notre Dame needs more guys can make plays once the ball's in their hand. And and that's going to be the one question mark to have to find out about them. So as you can tell, I'm pretty fired up about the portal additions and the high school additions. We've talked a lot about Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert, so that's why I didn't spend a ton of time on them. And uh, But but you look at it, 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 there's a lot of talent, man, coming back. There's a lot of talent coming back. There's a lot of talent coming in. At the end of the day, this should be a really, really t- – talent won't be an issue for Notre Dame next year, and I'll, I'll get into that more in this final section. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to kind of quickly work through that now because we're a little long. I'm not going to make that its own section. I'm just going to do these things right now, kind of my my biggest question marks and my the, the strengths I anticipate coming into Notre Dame, and we'll kind of have these conversations as we move forward. Number one, I'm going to do question marks. My biggest question mark – is is more and and questions don't don't always mean concerns. It, it can sometimes just mean the unknown. What does the offense look like under Mike Dembrock? What I like about what Mike Dembrock did is his Notre Dame offense, his Cincy offense, and his LSU offense all looked different. There were core principles that you see through all the time. They're going to run inside zone. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. But there's changes. There's adaptations to what they do based on what their talent is. The unique skill sets that they bring to the table. How will Mike Dembrock use this group of players? It's an unknown until we see him do it. It's not a concern. It's just an unknown because we've seen him make smooth transitions and improve groups and all that. But what's it? What what's his vision for what this offense is supposed to look like with this group of players? We don't know the answer to that. Question number two, how good is the offensive line going to be? I think it's going to be solid next year, 
But can Joe Rudolph have the kind of year two jump with his group that Al Washington had with his group? Remains to be seen. Can he get the group of five, whoever that is, to kind of play well together? Will he allow there to be legitimate position battles? Or are guys like Tosh Baker and and even like, you know, uh, Pat Coogan, but even a Billy Shrouth and, a you know, guys like that, are, are, is he going to allow – is there going to be real position battles or is it this is my starter and unless you're a million times better, I'm not going to not start my guy? I, I don't know the answer to those things, but the reality is, is we know that the offensive line has to be better. I think it will be more consistent this year uh, from an emotional standpoint just because I think that that's something that Marcus Freeman is going to be focusing on. But technically, can they be more consistent? Assignment-wise, can they be more consistent than they were this year? We're going to find that out. I don't know the answer to that. But I do think being in year two, we're going to see some improvements in those areas with Joe Rudolph. That's my hope. Number number two is what's the transition going to be for Riley Leonard? I talked earlier in the show about how I think the transition should be smoother, but that's more of a, you know, that that's more of a, skill set standpoint it's more about how does he transition into the offense the terminology is going to be different the players are going to be different I mean he's got a whole new team around him the only guy he's going to know from this team is a guy that plays defense and so there's always a transition there I think his skill set transitions just fine but it's it's the it's the other can he pick up the offense can he get on the same page with the receivers can he become a leader all those things have to be answered Number four, who steps up, right? I mean, that's a big thing. Is there's they're going to need guys to step up this year. Who who's going to who? Look, they got a lot of talent coming running back, but who steps up to be the guy or the two guys? There's a lot of potential receiver, but who becomes the dude? Who becomes that guy in big games when it, the game's on the line against A and M or Florida State or USC or Georgia or Bama or Ohio State or you know uh, whoever you're going to Texas, whoever you play in the postseason, who steps up in those big moments and says, "I got this." And it can't just be the quarterback. You've got to have other guys stepping up with you. Who does that at running back? Who does that at receiver? Can Mitchell Evans repeat what he did? Because he was that guy for the offense this year. Can he get healthy and be that guy again? Those are all question marks. And then number five, this is an obvious one. How are they going to play in big games? I mean, I hope, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that they're going to be better. But how will they really? I don't know the answer to that. That's that's something they have to prove it. No matter how what no matter what you think of Mike Dembrock or what you think of Riley Leonard or the returning players or the incoming players or the talent of the team or any of those kind of things, the reality is is in they, that we should all all be in show me mode when it comes to the offense. They got to show me that they can play well in big games. Am I optimistic about it? Absolutely, but they got to show me. And that's going to be the big thing. Five things that I'm I'm most excited about that I'm I'm confident in. Number one, Mike Dembrock. I mean, guys, you've heard me talk, guys and gals, you've heard me talk on the show for years about my respect for Mike Dembrock as an OC and the job I think he can do. He's done it. He's proven it. I mean, again, they played, I think, against like nine ranked opponents the last two years at LSU, and they averaged over 33 points a game. If Notre Dame would have averaged over 33 points a game this past season, at against ranked teams at worst at the very worst they're 11 and 1 maybe they don't get enough to beat Louisville but they would have beat Clemson and they would have beat Ohio State if they could have got to that 33 point per game average there's 33.6 so you can round it up and say they beat Louisville but that's a different story for a different day I think they would have that's that's a that's a, a number you want to see repeated by Mike Denbrock at Notre Dame is but I, and, and I'm confident that it will be we just got to see it. Number two, 
there's a lot of talent and a lot of depth on this football team. A lot, I mean, the the funny thing is, is I think just God given athleticism. I, I you could argue there's more talent all around on offense than there is on defense in Notre Dame, and 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 not just skill. I'm talking up front. I mean, with all due respect, if everybody on the football team reaches their full potential, I don't know that any of the Notre Dame defensive linemen have a chance to be drafted as high as Charles Jagasaw could get drafted if he if he develops over the next three four years, right, two to three years at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, th- those are all things that you look at and you, you start getting kind of excited about the talents there. The depth is there. They don't need – it's not a thing where if Jeremiah Love doesn't step up, boy, you're screwed because the next guy's not that good. Or if Jordan Faison can't repeat what he did as a freshman. Or if Jaden Greathouse isn't this guy. Or Jade Thomas doesn't do that. Or, or or Pat Coogan doesn't get better. All those things. Hey, if Riley Leonard gets hurt as, or, or doesn't get the job done, it's not like you're turning to, Devin, to, 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 um, uh, to Drew Pine or Pat Dillingham, or some of the other backup quarterbacks that I've had to turn to in past years. True freshman Tommy Reese, who came in after Nate Montana failed, or, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, who was Brady w- Quinn's backup, right? Luckily, luck- I didn't find out. Was it like David Walkie? What, right? Jimmy Clausen gets hurt. He can't play as a freshman early on. So you got to turn to Evan Sharpley. Oh, right? Like, those are all like, man, that's a big drop-off between one and two. The younger quarterbacks are all inexperienced. I mean, even Steven Angeli played, he only threw for 504 yards. That's not like he's got like two years of starting experience under his belt. But whether it's Angeli or or Kenny Minchie or CJ Carr, there's no doubt that this team has depth and depth of talent to work with where you're not just putting in a good, smart guy in there. You're putting a guy that's got some ability in the game. And that starts getting you excited. And then number number four, five, I, I, or number four, excuse me, I think this has a chance to be the most balanced skill set team that Notre Dame has had in a very long time. They have big time playmakers and running back. They have big time playmakers in the pass game. They've got a quarterback that can run the football. I'm very confident that the run game will be very good this season. Will the offensive line be elite? I don't know the answer to that. That's going to, to me, that should determine whether you're rushing for 190 yards or 230 yards, right? Like, and how good the line is, is raises that bar. You know, but Notre Dame ran for 185 yards this year with a, a quarterback that was was not much of a threat running the ball. I think he had less than 200 yards. You you did that this year with a pass game that was wildly inconsistent against a very good schedule of defensive football teams that that I'll get into next is is kind of part of well my number five is schedule, and that factors into the point that I'm making here. You don't play as tough of a defensive schedule next year, at least on paper, as what you had this year. But when you look at the run game, it's just kind of like you you can. You some of the things that teams did to stop the run game this year, you can't do in 2024. You can't like what Notre Dame would do is they would go in motion and run like zone or counter and in in either split zone or whatever, and they would kind of block that in. And what teams would do is they would just start crashing a nickel, a safety, a linebacker just off that backside edge because they knew Notre Dame was likely not going to bootleg, they were not going to do RPOs, and they certainly weren't running read zone. So you could just crash that backside edge against the Notre Dame run game if you saw motion away. And this year, it's like, okay, you you try doing that this year, and if Notre Dame has a recall or if Riley Mills just says, screw it, I'm taking it, you're, you're going to be in a situation where the quarterback's pulling the ball and he's running for 10, 15 yards, and if you, he can make one guy miss, which he can, he may house it. What does that do when you're trying to defend the running? Like, imagine how – Life would have been for for defenses this year, trying to defend Audric Estime, 
if you had a quarterback that could run for 699 yards and 13 touchdowns and, and what that would mean for you schematically. Think about that. Well, you're going to have that next year with this three-headed monster at running back that you're going to have, and I'm not even counting the freshman yet. So the 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 I think the run game is going to be good this year. How good? That's to be determined. But I think we're going to see improvement from the run game this season in, in a lot of different ways. And then, as I said, number five is schedule. I, I think that when you look at this Notre Dame offense, I think it has a chance to be uh, – the, the schedule they face, in my opinion, just isn't quite as good as it was <clears throat> this season. You know, I mean, there's some there's some good defenses on there. Like Florida State this season had the number 18 scoring defense in the country. That's a pretty good scoring defense. But two things. Number one, they lose a lot from their defense. And number two, number two, number two is – Notre Dame played two teams last year that ranked higher than that. Ohio State was number two, and Duke was number 16. Notre Dame also played number 25, NC State. When you look at this year's schedule, I'm going through it now, the best scoring defense they play this year is Miami of Ohio, who ranks seventh. And they lose quite a bit. After that, you've got Florida State at 18. See here. Let's look through the list. Let's rest the schedule. I'm, I'm to thirty. Don't maybe if they if they play Army at thirty. After that, Louisville at thirty five, Texas A and M at thirty six, Navy at thirty eight. So what two top twenty five scoring defenses next year, and those teams lose a lot. So I believe that Notre Dame's schedule is is conducive to them. It, the transition is going to be good for them to be able to make that transition. And and I know like Texas A and M. Obviously, it's a game that you look at and say, "Hey, that that's a talented team and all that." But it's still going to be game one for Mike for Mike Den for Mike Elko. They did lose a lot from this year's team, um, so so they're going to have a lot of guys to replace. And and you look at it and say, after that, you get Northern Illinois, right? Northern Illinois this year had a, a pretty decent defense at the power, at the Group of Five level. They ranked twenty seventh this year in scoring, uh, but that's a team that again. Lost to Boston Co- or uh, beat Boston College, but then gave up 35 points in Nebraska, 35 points to Toledo. Uh, they're not a real good. I mean, th- th- they were good in the MAC. They're not a team that's going to. I mean, if Nebraska scored 35, you know what? What's Notre Dame going to do to that defense? Right? I mean that that Nebraska was not very good on offense last year. Then you've got Purdue on the schedule. Uh, the Boilers this year ranked 104th in scoring defense. And then you play Miami, Ohio, again, who had a good scoring defense. But, guys, they're going to be able to overwhelm those teams just from a talent standpoint. And, and so you're going to have a – like the concern I would have of this team with, with new players, with a new quarterback, with an offensive line that's still gelling, with a bunch of new receivers trying to find their role. We don't know when Mitchell Evans is going to be. Is your schedule conducive? And it's not so much who the 12 teams are, but when do you play them? a and is going to be a battle, no doubt, but they're – going through their own kind of rebuilding process a little bit new system and all that's game one but then after that you're going to overwhelm talent wise your next three teams until you get to louisville actually no hold on a second do you have does Notre Dame play i always get this backwards do they play do they play louisville first or stanford first i think they play stanford first no they play louisville first the so louisville's game five so after a&m you got northern illinois at home at purdue home against my ohio then you have Louisville. That'll be a test. But then after Louisville, you've got Stanford and Georgia Tech coming up after that. 
And I've talked to you all a lot about how I really like what Georgia Tech did on offense this year. Defensively, they had problems. They ranked 97th in scoring. They gave up 29.5 points per game this year. And so that, that I liked what they did on offense. But in their losses, they gave up 39, 48, 38, 38, 42, and 31 points in their losses this year. So their offense, their defense has some issues. And they're going to have to work. And then 40, they gave up 42 to Clemson. So their their defense is 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 not good. So Notre Dame's going to have some tests early, but not the kind of brutal schedule that we've seen for past. You know, back in the day, it's like and you're trying to break in all these new players, and and you you start the season off with like Texas A and M, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue, and you're like, good lord, like that does not allow you to get any kind of a groove. I think this team, to me, has a, a schedule that's far more conducive to them being able to make a jump. And and develop and grow and, and and become cohesive before the schedule really ramps up in October, November, and so that's something too that I'm that I'm that I think is going to be a, a certainly something that I'm confident it's going to be a help to this football team this year. So that's going to do it for that part of the show, folks. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next. I'm going to take a quick little break here to 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 kind of breathe and and uh, get something to drink here real quick. But we are going to do a mailbag next. Uh, before we do, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast with all of your friends. I really do appreciate that. And of course, if you have not done so, sign up for the message boards at boards.offbreakdown.com. Uh, it, it, here's the thing. If you're not a message board person, and I, got, I won't read a message board, keep in mind there's a couple things that, you, that that this involves. Number one is you can join one of the booster clubs, and, and you don't have to be on the message board. There's no like rule if you sign up. You have to read X number of posts or I'm booting you off. If you're someone who wants to support Irish Breakdown and, and you don't want to give super – I've had people say this, I want to support you, but I don't want to give super chats because I don't want Google or YouTube or whoever taking 50% of your revenue. I understand that. The message board is a way for you to support that. If you go to the IB store at the very bottom, there's also a donation page if you just want to give us – you know, to help us out, to help support what we're trying to build here and support who we are and our growth as, an, as, a, as, a, as a company and all those type of things. That's what that's for as well. There's great conversation. There's intel. There's going to be stats breakdowns, video. Because like when I do the video breakdown of Riley Leonard, it's going to be on the message board only. When I finish up this spring, my breakdowns of the Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins and Jaden Harrison editions, it's going to be message board only. So we're going to have a lot of things this year. That are going to, a lot more things are going to be message board only things that you're going to want to be a part of. That uh, that that that's. I mean, you're you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that stuff, in my opinion. So definitely check that out. But if you're just wanting to support Irish Breakdown and what we do, the message board is another way for that because we get a we get a small fee taken out for the transaction fee through Stripe. But after that, we keep all of it. So we keep a huge, huge chunk of that. So uh, that's another reason where joining the message board is not only good for you because you're joining a great community, but it's also good for us because you're helping to support uh, what we're doing and the growth that we're, we're, we're trying to have here at Irish Breakdown. So uh, really would appreciate that. And you can find that at boards.irishbreakdown.com.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.